بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا وحبيبنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا According to Imam al-Ghazali human beings possess three faculties the rational faculty قوة العلم the irascible faculty قوة الغضب and the appetitive faculty قوة الشهوة when these faculties are in balance, they inculcate four principal virtues of character, which are wisdom, hikmah, courage, shuja'a, temperance, ifa, and justice, adil. So how do we inculcate these virtues? Well, the obvious answer is through serious discipline, commitment, and self-mastery. But more specifically, Hikmah, wisdom, is acquired when our rational faculty or intellect is sound and we're able to discriminate between truth and falsehood. Shuja'a, courage, is acquired when our irascible faculty or our temper is under the command of our intellect and we're able to restrain our anger. Ifa, temperance, is acquired when our appetitive faculty, our concupiscence or hunger, when it's balanced and we can self-regulate and maintain equilibrium. And Adil, justice, is acquired when all of these qualities are present and harmonious within us and our reason regulates both our irascibility and our appetites. What's even more amazing about these four virtues is that they then act as a matrix for subsequent virtues. So for instance, sound deliberation, ta'anni, comes from the virtue of prudence. Patience, sabr, comes from temperance. Generosity from courage and equity from justice. In Plato's Republic, Socrates uses the human being as a model for the state. He explains that we are triune creatures who possess a rational, appetitive, and spirited soul. So part of our essential nature is to be rational. We are homo sapiens, and the word sapien means wise in Latin. The rational soul is also what we refer to in Arabic as the aql, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given human beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa, وَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمُ and God has revealed to you the book and wisdom and has taught you that which you did not know. The reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the book and taught us wisdom is because without it, the wisdom, we could not access the book. The book must be operational and that can only happen with wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-Baqarah, He gives wisdom to whom He wills, and whoever has been given wisdom has certainly been given much good. Note that this is in the passive form, right? The one who's given wisdom. It doesn't say the one who is wise because it's a passive act. This is what we call a passive intellect or Al-Aqal Al-Mustafad. 
So again, the idea here is that divine wisdom is infused in those who are blessed. And from that, they have enlightened understanding followed by prudent behavior. Fakhruddin al-Razi said that the verse Nurun ala nur refers to revelation upon intellect. In other words, revelation upon wisdom because wisdom can only take us so far. While we need wisdom to understand when and how to apply revelation, we need revelation to guide us as revelation illuminates the intellect. So they're both necessary. Another example is the U.S. Constitution, which is a matrix for legislation. It's not legislation itself. In order to adjudicate or effectively judge and implement the Constitution, we need wisdom. The Constitution gives us the principles from which we can derive legislation, and in the same way, Revelation gives us the principles in which we can derive our actions, and through our obedience, we can attain ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from this, we understand that when a human being is void of intellect and virtue, his character is defected, and eventually, his soul becomes corrupted. Much like contagion, when moral decline in individuals is left unmitigated over time, it can spread quickly among a people and collapse an entire society. This is the unfortunate reality of today's world, where due to extreme liberal ideologies that deny the very existence of objective truth and attempt to redefine morality, countless social ills have erupted including more violence and lawlessness, increased vulgarity and depravity, and widespread hedonism and immorality. This has resulted in an epidemic of hookup culture and venereal diseases. We also have economic theories that ensure that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. We have a big pharma cult that promotes a medical system that manages disease through long-term drug therapies, ensuring continued profits. And we have an agricultural industry that profits heavily from processed foods with extended shelf life, which results in obesity and sickness in people who are then sent back to the disease management industry. And the cycle continues. And this is why people of faith and decency who wish to uphold social order and proper civil and moral conduct must work even harder to restore in theory and practice these universally agreed upon virtues of human character. The third principle moral virtue of human character which Imam al-Ghazali mentions is temperance, ifa. It is the ability to remain balanced and adapt to difficult circumstances, to self-regulate and exercise moderation. Temperance enables us to keep our passions and emotions under the control of our intellect. Dr. Joseph Piper, who's a notable Catholic philosopher who wrote extensively on the four cardinal virtues, calls temperance selfless self-denial. In other words, temperance is more than tempering things or saying no to ourselves. It's only a virtue if the purpose for which we control ourselves is also good. So a person with temperance is always seeking something greater beyond the self. Temperance is also the virtue of the appetite of soul. 
It's the ability to control the two appetites, which are fundamental urges that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in the human being. The urge of self-preservation is through the appetite of the stomach. And the urge of species preservation is through the appetite of the genitals. They're both instinctual urges, but they have to be controlled. Thus, the virtue of temperance is essentially self-preservation, whereas intemperance is self-degradation and self-destruction. About these extremes, Imam al-Ghazali also says, should the appetite of soul move to the point of excess, it is called cupidity, while if it should decline to defect, it is known as indifference. Now the virtues that are aligned with temperance include abstinence, sobriety, chastity, purity, continence, humility, gentleness, clemency, modesty, and lack of greed. On the contrary, the vices that are opposed to temperance include gluttony, drunkenness, unchastity, impurity, incontinence, pride, wrath, and greed. So to understand how ifa is beautifully reflected in a human being, we need look no further than the paragon of human perfection, our beloved Prophet وسلم, who in a sound hadith reported by Imam Malik an in his Muatta said, I was sent only to perfect the noble qualities of character. And he did exactly that. Throughout his life, from his early childhood all the way through his final days, the Prophet ﷺ was tested with incredibly difficult life challenges and circumstances. He endured every type of suffering imaginable. He never knew his father and lost his mother, leaving him orphaned at a very young age. He subsequently lost his grandfather and other close family members. When he reached the age of prophecy, he suffered immense betrayal from his tribesmen. He was ostracized from his community, persecuted relentlessly, and endured starvation and other unfathomable physical hardships. He lost his greatest ally and beloved wife Khadija, anha, as well as his uncle Abu Talib, who was his staunchest defender. He watched the fall of countless companions in battle, and by the end of his life had buried all but one of his children. The complete scope of his suffering is known only to God. But despite everything he endured, he never once displayed any weakness in his faith, nor did he ever complain about his hardships. He was able to endure so many trials and tribulations with such grace and humility because of his unwavering conviction and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well as due to his beautiful and perfect character, which afforded him the ability to respond to every challenge with sublime temperance, with effa. He was always in a state of perfect equilibrium and complete command over his emotions. The Meccan period, which lasted about 13 years, emphasized developing the qualities of wisdom, temperance, and reliance on God. This period symbolizes what is often referred to as the feminine element of the revelation, 
as it heavily involved the prohibition of fighting, patience, endurance, self-constraint, and the two moral virtues, which are more developed in women naturally, wisdom and temperance. Mecca is also known as Um al-Qura, and the foundational story of the city itself involves a single mother with her child, Hajar, abandoned by divine command. The word Kaaba is feminine, Qibla is feminine, Mecca and Becca are also feminine words. The Prophet ﷺ was raised by women, his mother Amina and Halima Sa'diya, his wet nurse. So Mecca is the feminine period which reflects the feminine virtues of Rahma and patience. Even though it's outwardly Jalali, inwardly it's Jamali. In addition to wisdom and temperance, other virtues such as chastity and modesty are more naturally developed in women and must be cultivated by men, usually through the nurturing of their mothers, because the mother is the first madrasa. Women are intuitive, and sound intuition is an expression of wisdom. Wisdom is not the same as knowledge, because knowledge is more naturally the domain of men. Wisdom is more naturally the domain of women. The Medinan period is the masculine period, where the masculine virtues of courage and justice were developed. Medina is essentially about justice. It is outwardly Jamali, but inwardly Jalali, the opposite of Mecca. In Mecca, the Muslims were not allowed to fight and defend themselves. They had to practice great restraint. It was a time of immense difficulty because it was for building resilience and trust in God. The believers endured patiently through years of persecution and tribulation and underwent a type of spiritual alchemy until they emerged fortified in their faith. And it's during the Meccan period in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds them, فَصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهَ حَقَّ right? So be patient, surely God's promise is true. And let not the disbelievers shake your firmness. In the seventh year of the Prophet ﷺ's mission, the state of the Muslims became incredibly difficult. The Meccans enacted sanctions against the believers, prohibiting any and all business dealings with them, including the sale and purchase of food and other goods. For three entire years, the Muslims faced brutal conditions, including famine and relentless physical abuse at the hands of their oppressors. With virtually little to no source of food, they were often forced to eat leaves and other shrubs or go days without food. They also tied rocks to their stomach to suppress their hunger. The cries of starving children were heard throughout the city, but the relentless siege continued. Shortly after the boycott ended, began the year of sorrow, or Am al-Huzn. This is when the Prophet ﷺ experienced two devastating personal losses. First, his beloved wife Khadija radiallahu anha passes, and then his uncle Abu Talib, who had offered him and the earlier community of Muslims protection against attack from other hostile tribes in Mecca. Following these two major losses, the Prophet ﷺ sought out other support in Ta'if, which was a neighboring city not too far from Mecca. Upon his arrival in Ta'if, However, the tribal chiefs were unwelcoming and shunned the Prophet ﷺ for fear of reprisal from the stronger Meccan tribes. 
They then instructed the urchins of the city to attack him and his companion Zayd ibn Haritha with stones causing them great harm. The Prophet ﷺ bled profusely from his blessed head to his feet. His sandals were drenched with blood due to the sheer volume of blood he lost in this attack. Despite his physical pain and emotional anguish, the Prophet ﷺ did not respond with anger or a desire to retaliate. Rather, he raised his hands in prayer taking himself to account first and asking God for protection and strength. And when the angel Jibreel and another angel descended and offered to crush the entire city between two mountains, obliterating everyone, the Prophet displayed great magnanimity and declined the offer, saying that he was hopeful that even though they rejected the message, that their progeny would eventually accept Islam. This is one of many countless examples from the early part of the seerah where the Prophet ﷺ displays extraordinary temperance, ifa, despite himself suffering innumerable hardships. And because he is our example, we must not only marvel at his virtues, but we must strive to emulate them Sadly, most of us have difficulty showing humility and restraint in the most minor circumstances. We allow our emotions to control us and we react with little thought or consideration of consequence. To be able to keep a level head in dire circumstances and to restrain our anger after suffering even the smallest slight from another person is near impossible for many of us. But for the Prophet ﷺ, it wasn't difficult at all because he did not operate from the place of ego or nafs. Rather, his intellect, his knowledge of God, and his love for God compelled him to always act in line with what pleased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for he knew that there was no greater reward than that. In Imam al-Nawawi's famous collection of Hadith Riyadh al-Salihin is a hadith reported by Anas ibn Malik, who said that the Prophet ﷺ passed by a woman who was weeping next to a grave. The Prophet ﷺ said to her, Be mindful of Allah and be patient. She responded rudely, Go away from me. You have not been afflicted by a calamity like mine. And she did not recognize him. Later, she was told that that was the Prophet ﷺ. So she went to his house and she said to him, I didn't recognize you. The Prophet ﷺ said to her, Verily, patience is at the first strike. This is yet another example where the Prophet ﷺ is not only displaying temperance ifa himself in his own behavior, but he's also defining it clearly for us. When this woman who was in the throes of grief reacted in such a distasteful way to his gentle counsel, he simply left her alone. He didn't react to her, and it was only after her emotions subsided and she came into her senses when she was able to see the error of her ways. This is another proof of why we must heed the ayah and obey God and his messenger and do not dispute and lose courage, for then your strength would depart 
and be patient. Indeed, God is with the patient. The point here is to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Prophet and to leave argumentation. Because when we lose comportment and argue, we become weak. Strength is not in disputation and anger. It is in patience because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the patient. So we must learn to self-regulate and temper our emotions. The question we must all ask ourselves is, am I patient? Think about how you would have reacted in a similar situation. Would you have had the emotional intelligence to know that a person in such a state is not thinking rationally? Would you have been able to restrain your tongue from lashing out and rushing to rebuke them? Likely not, if you're being honest. And that's because most of us would feel justified in our anger and our reactions. We would focus on our own feelings, completely losing sight of the reality of the situation, and most importantly, of what would most please Allah. In the case of the Prophet ﷺ, we can see that because he was fully present, fully aware of the situation, and focused solely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was not triggered by her scornful reply. His state was unaffected by her, and he left in the same calm and peaceful disposition as when he found her. This is the beautiful, consistent character and ifa of our Prophet An undeniable problem with the modern zeitgeist is the gratuitous consumption and materialism coupled with an inordinate preoccupation with justice and fairness. This has created a pervasive culture of entitlement and rampant victimhood, such that even those who are unjust to others, including known criminals, complain of wealth and class disparities as an inherent right. According to a hadith narrated by Ibn Mas'ud, the Prophet ﷺ said, soon others will be preferred to you and there will be things you will not like. The companions asked, O Messenger of Allah, what do you order us to do in that case? And he responded, to give the rights that are upon you and to ask for your rights from God. This is yet another example where the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us an important lesson on temperance by bearing patiently the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with matters that displease us. He further emphasizes the importance of fulfilling other people's rights, even when it may feel unpleasant to do so, and then to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever one's own rights have been denied and for whatever sense of injustice one may feel. Again, this beautiful and balanced approach to life helps inculcate many virtues, but especially those of patience and restraint, both of which are born from temperance. For this reason, we are repeatedly reminded in the Quran that this life is a test, but those who can see beyond the immediate or the present to the permanent and sublime will have far greater success passing those tests. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْصٍ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنْفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ And we will surely test you with something of fear and hunger and a loss of wealth and lives and fruits, but give good tidings to the patient. 
This is Hosai Majedity for Zaytuna College's first spring program on temperance. I hope you liked the program and would consider joining the 12,000 Strong Initiative to support the college today. This program was possible because of your generous efforts. To support the college, please click the 12K link in the description box given below and subscribe to Zaytuna College's YouTube channel. Jazakumullahu khairan wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.